Welcome, Critters and Creeps, to the second episode of the new CadaverCast. I'm Al Burnham. And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. And we are coming to you from the Frankenstein's Monkey Farm. We're back. Back. New CadaverCast. And this time, we're talking about a really mature movie. Yeah. Like one that we have talked about on the show before. Uh, I, I know we've talked about it because you did watch most of Creepshow yep. once. But now, I've watched the entire movie. Yeah, and it's perfect timing because... We just got the 4K Ultra, like, HD version. Mm-hmm. Just came out from Scream Factory. Yeah. So, like we said in our last episode, one of the things we want to do is try to highlight, you know, new Blu-rays and stuff that are coming out. Uh, whether we buy them ourselves or they're sent to us or, you know, we back them on Kickstarter or something like that. Uh, Want to support the physical media. So, Alistair, creep show. This is a milestone for you to get through the whole thing, huh? Yeah. Because you didn't watch which part last time. Uh, They're creeping up on you, the entire story, and I did. I actually covered my eyes for a lot of... A bunch of times, and mostly for for when Fluffy appeared. Yeah, in the but, crate. Yeah. So now I've watched the entire thing, except, like, the one final, like, gory part at the end. Yeah, and I imagine you'll get to see that gory part in the comic book when you do get to that story. Because <laughs> we also do have the, like, graphic novel adaptation of Creepshow, a 2017 printing of it but al was reading that while i was setting up for the show absolutely engrossed in it i feel like yeah they shortened the stories too a bit to well, like sure. make it like comic book size and i i think it's pretty cool so yeah you know the kind of thing where if you had comic books that were creep show right because creep show is inspired by the old EC comics, you know, Vault of Horror, Tales from the Crypt, those comic books, you know, yeah. it's inspired by those. And if these stories had come from comic books, they probably would have read this exact length, you know. Yeah. So you would have expanded them a little bit for the movie, but not a ton, you know. Well, what did you think of the movie? It was good. And how does it stack up compared to like other anthology horror movies because you happen to be a sort of bit of an expert on anthology horror movies i'm trying to it's like taking like a bunch of the other horror anthologies and kind of combining them with tales of the crypt i think it's like the best one that i've seen i i've seen or remember yeah, I mean, you would not find uh, many people disagreeing with you there, I should think. There are a ton of folks who absolutely adore Creepshow and think that it is the best horror anthology. And if you ask me what the best was on any given day of the week, I probably would point toward this or something from Amicus. I feel like, uh, you know, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors and stuff like that. Those are those are kind of my speed. Those are the kind of the movies that really speak to me. I love those ones. But Creepshow is the most palatable, accessible, you know, uh, absolutely wonderful example of it. There are some others that you'll watch later. There's one that I think is a really, really amazing anthology horror film called Tales from the Hood. That's actually about race relations in the United States as a horror film through anthology construction. Huh. Yeah, it's really, really, really terrific. But back to Creepshow. Mm -hmm. So we watched it in 4K for the first time. This is that new transfer according to the Blu-ray or the Blu-ray, the case. Well, I guess it's a... 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray disc, I suppose, is what the 4K disc is. But it's got a new 2022 4K scan from the original camera negative. And that is the same transfer used in this set on both the 4K disc and the Blu-ray. It's a camera negative. The camera negative. Good question. The camera negative is the actual film that ran through the camera when they made the movie. So... What you had to do is, oh man, it's so complicated. So what you would do, you'd have the negative. Now the negative 
precious, absolutely precious material that you need to not have messed with. Okay, so when you're watching a movie on Blu-ray and you see the picture looking really, really, really nice and pristine and then suddenly the quality will drop out, you know, and it'll look really, really terrible and then it'll dissolve and then go back into pristine footage. The pristine footage is the negative that that footage around that dissolve is footage that ended up having to go to um, an optical or through an optical printer so that you're not actually looking at the negative. Right. And that's when you see the distinction between the negative and something that isn't the negative. Right. And uh, and also it's optically printed. So, you know, there was there would be a lot of damage and a lot of debris and stuff like that Uh, on the footage. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, it would go through another machine. But the negative, in order to have the negative be in keeping with sort of the the cut of the movie that you would want, you don't just cut the negative, right? You don't go in and actually start cutting and editing the negative. The editing would be done using, like, other prints. You'd use sort of, like, uh, reversal prints, um, interpositives, rather. You'd have your interpositive print that you would then cut to edit it. And then, um, and this is, of course, before video. So then you would take all of your notes from the cutting of that edit and somebody would go through and have to do a frame perfect edit of the negative itself without messing anything up. Because if you messed anything up and you had like, and let's say you cut five frames too early, you'd still have to go back in and put in those five frames. But then you have to splice those five frames into the scene and it's going to look like it. You know, it's going to look like you have those frames like just sort of jittering in there, you know, because they will have been cut and then spliced in. So you so like that's why, you know, the negative looks better because nobody really touches it except that one time. And then they use that negative to make all the prints of the movie. That is that's very complicated. It is. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that we would have had to have done in film school if I'd actually taken classes where we would use um negative the the film stock that we shot on they would just process that film stock and then we would shoot that film stock we were actually cutting the film we shot yeah that's uh it's very complicated (laughs) it is i know i know and i don't know we may have just bored the tears out of our listeners but you know i went to film school so some somebody's got to hear it and this kid gets stuck with it (laughs) but yeah so i mean camera negative is actually what you would prefer to have a transfer be sourced from, if at all possible. That makes sense. Yeah, and if you can't, you want to get a print that is as close to the negative as you can. So an interpositive or an original run print, something like that, as close to the original negative as possible. Basically, the negative is like, it's like gives you one chance. That's it. Mm -hmm. If you mess it up, and if, uh, you know, a building burns down, it's not like you have multiple negatives. There's just the one, you know. Yeah. So, you know, you have your um, uh, any number of disasters that have occurred that have resulted in warehouses and, you know, storage spaces of all sorts where we had, you know, films that got destroyed. I mean, most of silent cinema does not exist anymore. Really? Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and not just because of things burning down. I mean, there were other reasons for that. But, uh, you know, that had more to do with things like the wars and stuff, you know. So, do you know who made this movie, Alistair? There's, I mean, Stephen King, I guess. Stephen King? Yeah. Right, right. And who is Stephen King? Do you know that? I'm putting you on the spot just because I'm, I'm wanting to see if you know these names and I can explain to you. He makes a lot of things, like, <laughs> Like what? Do you remember any other things? That's what I'm trying to get out of you no. here. It's like, no, like any just, connections. I know he makes movies. I know I've watched, I don't even know if I've watched another one from him. You sure have. You've yeah, seen more. I think. That's, yeah, that's all I know. I don't know anything else about so, it. So you do know at least that Stephen King is a name associated with horror movies. Yes. That's what I'm trying to get out of yeah. you. But like, yeah, he's a guy who's involved in horror movies and that much you know and that much I've told you. And I'm sure we've talked about him a little bit on the show before because we've actually reviewed a couple movies that he wrote. But he's, in fact, one of the most important horror writers of all time. He's one of the best-selling writers in the world, if not the best-selling writer 
in the world. That could be true. But definitely the number one horror author in the world. And behind Edgar Allan Poe and H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, I mean, like, you've got Stephen King. Like, he's right there in that pantheon in terms of importance in the realm of horror. Because he's also an author. So he yes. didn't just write, you know, movies. He wrote books. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that? Yes. That would have been a thing to say. I <laughs> forgot. I, I, you, when you said that, I'm like, oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he wrote, um, in terms of things that we've talked about on the show, Cat's Eye. And mm. he also wrote uh, Cujo. Oh. Yeah. And. Creep Show. Creep Show, of course. There's some posters in the background. Do you oh. want to take a guess as to why these are important? He made them? Kind of, yes. In part, in the background I'm talking about oh. on the uh, the cover art listeners for Creep Show, which is sort of the the comic booky looking cover. And there are three posters in the background. Dawn of the Dead, The Shining, and Carrie. So, Stephen King wrote the book Carrie that was then made into the movie Carrie. Mm -hmm. And wrote the book The Shining that was then made into The Shining, the movie. Um, and then Dawn of the Dead is made by George Romero. And George Romero... Directed it? Directed Creepshow, yes. <laughs> absolutely. As well as before... Well before these, but there's a hint right in this. Night of the Living Dead? Yes, there you go. There you go. George Romero made Night of the Living Dead, which uh, we've covered on the show as well. So what are you, what, what's your take on these stories, man? Let, let me hear you talk about so, these stories a little bit. Um, and then, you know, we'll let our listeners know because you went through, you know, and took a look through the special features and stuff. And, of course, I've looked through them uh, before, too, because they are on um, uh, other releases and whatnot. And we'll talk about that. But uh, let's talk about the stories. Did you want to go through them one by one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. One by one. We start off. Well, no, no. Let's actually start with the uh, the wraparound story. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't, I don't know. What do we want to call that? Um, it's uh, the wraparound story, yeah. <laughs> the the creeper story. Basically, I'm just gonna kind of I could just explain. Yeah, just really quick. Yeah. There's this kid. He had the creep show like comic book. He liked it. His dad found out. He thought it was like trash and didn't like it, so he threw it away. And then the kid like hates him for that. And then he's like, I like. I forgot what he says. Yeah, he's, some, I, he's like, I hope you burn in hell or, so, or something. something like that. And then the creeper appears and he smiles. Yeah, that's it. Do you know who played that dad? You didn't recognize him, I bet you, because he would be more recognizable with a mustache. It's Tom Atkins from Halloween 3. Oh. Yeah. Imagine him with a mustache and, and that helps. But then it's like, it cuts to like the Creepshow comic book and the garbage bin like flipping over. The pages or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because the whole movie's got this great comic book style. Uh, transitions will be comic book oh, pages yeah. Those turning. are some of the best ones. Well, and then they do the things with the split screens with the different yeah. panels of the comics. Oh, I'm, I'm going to... This isn't in the, like, the one we're going to talk about. But I want to talk about the one from the crate with the phone. Yeah, do you want to save that for when we okay. talk about the crate? Yes. Okay. There's a bunch of them. And they're so cool. Well, I mean, let's just talk about that one. I mean, yeah, because we might forget about it otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a small thing that I just remembered right now. It's, they're like two people talking on the phone. It's in the comic book style. And one of them is talking. And it's like moving that one. The other one is frozen frame. Like free, frozen frame. For, yeah. No, yeah, I mean, frozen. Yeah. Like. In uh, their frame. Yeah. <laughs> with like them talking. And then when the other one stopped talking, they frozen. And then they stopped to stop start talking and it's really cool yeah so basically when one is talking yeah. they move when the other isn't they freeze yeah 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 it's re uh, it's really cool absolutely yeah. yeah it's super super stylized and really neat and they do the great stuff with the lighting where when there those big sting moments at the end of kind of the stories the big horror moments not even at the end even if they're in the middle of the story or whatever yeah. where everything will go like crazy blue and red you know yeah yeah, and you'll have, like, the comic book, 
like outlines on some of the parts. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it gives a great style to the whole thing. It really evokes the Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, EC Comics vibe so very clearly. Yes. I mean, they loved that, and it worked so well in translating to the screen. Mm-hmm. And we get, in addition to the wraparound, five stories. Yes. I mean, that's a real high number of stories, which could be... You know, a bad idea, potentially, that you could see that going wrong. But here, they're all worthwhile. Yes. There's Usually you'll get, like, you know, one really great one, and then a couple dodgy ones, and then some good ones. Or you'll have, like, three, and one will be great, and one will be terrible, and one will be okay. Or if you're lucky, you know, they'll all be decent. But, like, here, really solid across the board. Yes. And we watched a lot of them. Do you want, do you want to talk to our uh, listeners here about why you've seen so many anthology horror movies specifically? <sighs> what makes you an expert? Well, I mean, we've watched, I mean, a lot of them. Right. Yeah. But last year in particular. Yes. Uh, we did like an entire, um, we made... <sighs> We made a kind of Tales of the Crypt spinoff, kind of. Yeah. And uh, we watched anthology movies to get stories, basically. And it was, so yeah, so I know a lot about that, too. Well, and not only that, you were the host. Yes, I was the host. So, uh, essentially, what we did was we made our own horror anthology feature for our friends to show for our Halloween marathon with our own new host segments written by us and starring Alistair. I doubt we could put it online in any way. I'll give it some thought, listeners. Uh, But... (laughs) <laughs> that, I mean, we we certainly couldn't put it entirely online. And we could at least do the host segments. We could potentially do the host segments, but even still, it opens up with the Tales from the Crypt opening. Yes. Right? Um, do you want to tell the listeners the title of it? Trash from the Garage. That's right, because the Trash Garage is my screening room. We called it Trash from the Garage, and the idea was that we were, you know... Whatever, dumpster diving and pulling out little chunks of movies and, yes. <laughs> and featuring them. So, yeah, we wrote our own Crypt Keepery stuff. Al, you played? Uh, the Trash Keeper. <laughs> That's right. And, yeah, so Al was the host and we had to write our own host segments for them in kind of a Crypt Keepery style. And uh, filmed the whole thing green screen. It's super wild. And then screened it for our friends. If I if I can in some way manage to share out our host segments for it, I will. Maybe it'll have to wait for October or something. I don't know. But you could, listeners, uh, if I'm able to recreate, you know, you could recreate the experience of it. Yeah. That's that's but the like that's we can put what thing you have to watch up. After the host segment, exactly. yeah, you can yeah. go watch that. And if then, we're able to ever yeah. put this thing out. But there there are music concerns and stuff because we did just make it for our friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as, a, as a goof. But yeah, so we've watched a ton and just not just over the years, but last year in particular, we watched so many preparing for Trash from the Garage. And we agreed early on not to touch creep show. We no. said no shorts can come from creep show, no shorts can come from tales from the crypt. We made that yes. determination right up front. Those two were too big to touch. Yeah. I mean if we ever did other ones then I guess we could, you know, have them on the table or something, but creep show just feels too right in and of itself in its totality, the way that the stories play one after the other. And I think with that in mind, oh, these are out of order, right? Uh, yeah. No, it's just those two are switched. That's what I mean. Those two are switched. Yeah. We yeah. Are... The back of the comic book actually has them listed out of order from the the movie. So, huh. Anyway. But only two of them, so it's not bad. Yeah, not not bad. Oh, but I was just looking at it going, no, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk about each of them for just a couple minutes. Just the highlights, the stuff yeah. you want to talk about. 
if we could just kind of rapid fire go like here are kind of the best things it's a little bit about this here's some cool stuff yeah uh father's day which um yes this is the one that i immediately quoted at the start of the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> when like the zombie appeared i'm like i want my cake <laughs> look <laughs> Is where's my cake? Give me my cake. Yeah. I want my father's day cake. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Father's Day, really good opening. It's very good for, like, just the start of Creep Show. And, I mean... <laughs> well, it kind of eases you yeah. in, right? It's got, like, the, the characters who have this, I don't know, melodramatic... Uh, backstabbing, murderous past or whatever, right? And we just meet these characters. And nothing really super spooky happens for a while. It's a little Tales from the Crypty, you know? Um, Just, you know, murder and intrigue or whatever. Yeah. But then we get that good zombie business like you talked about. But also, uh, before that, there is another thing where you have the introduction 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 to like the comic book panel outside thing mm-hmm. where they're explaining like what happened with like why he like their uh, why father is dead yes <laughs> and it yeah that's cool that's yeah because it yeah. uses the the frame like a comic book frame to show us the flashback yeah yeah it's really cool mm-hmm And they'll, of course, use those kind of frames, like, in regular shots of the movie as well for effect. But they really consistently used that in the flashback to, you know, maintain that. Yeah. And it's like, it shows you only the parts you need to see for the flashback. Exactly. So, yeah. And it ends with a big gruesome stinger. And if you haven't seen it, we won't spoil it. We think you should check it out for sure. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about... Uh, what is maybe the tenth release of Creep Show I've had in my life or something? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but that's, I mean, Father's Day, great way to start out, like you said. Yeah. Despicable characters, murder, intrigue builds up into supernatural shenanigans, and we're off and running yep. into. A very strange second story, a follow-up that I know is divisive. I guess some people don't like it. I think those people are crazy. It's so good. I I like it a lot. <laughs> I love it. It's um it's the It is the one that is most famous. Al wanted me to say the line, but we're not gonna yeah. like say the line on the on the show, even me. But uh the one where it has the line meteor poop yeah so i think i think you know what yeah yeah but it's, <laughs> with it's, full, full swearing yep don't you have a pin that says that and it's like him is the do like I? it's like a plant it's like the plants on him and stuff oh anyway we'll have to look in in the the pins and see if we have yeah. i swear we have some stuff from creep show i don't remember i know we have stuff from creep show though. oh because we got it from um Oh, we used to get the pins from them at the the movie marathons. Yeah. We do have something from Creepshow. Horror host, I think they were called. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But anyway. It stars. It stars. uh, Do you remember? Stephen King. That's Stephen King playing Jordy Verrill. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. And that is one of the things that I think it, it makes it so divisive is some people, you know, aren't that crazy about the Stephen King performance, you know, but it is what it is. And, uh, and it's goofy and it, and it suits it for me. I like the tone of the Jordy Verrill piece. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really good. There's a, there's a lot of funny moments in it. Yeah. And we've got like sort of, it's, it's sandwiched by these stories that are kind of meaner in, in spots, you know, not that, Jordy Verrill's story doesn't have meanness because it is the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill, but it is a bit kookier in its presentation, you know, yeah. in some ways. Like Father's Day does have goofy moments. You've got Ed Harris's dancing. Sorry, I didn't mention that, but uh, his dancing is so wild. Uh, there are a lot of goofy moments in that, but 
the Jordy Vero one plays far more comedic from the word go. Like, it just starts yeah. off goofy. But, yeah, that's... Well, and, and we didn't have the, the meteor poop in question is some ooze that comes out of a meteor when he tries to cool it off by pouring water on it because he wants to sell it to the Department of Meteors at the university. Which I doubt exists. <laughs> no, yeah, that's just a great bit. Um, and he like throws water on it to cool it down and it cracks in half. And anything the ooze touches initially starts to like sprout this uh, sort of alien vegetation that then spreads. And everything he touches, like... Right. And it's... Yeah. Yeah, I I know. You're trying not to to spoil the ending and stuff. I know. It's got so so many great little moments. uh, A lot of cartoony kind of fantasy bits where Jordy Verrill's fantasizing about how much money they're going to give him for this and then how much trouble he's going to be in with the doctor when he shows up and he's got plants growing off of his fingers and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and those add a lot to the to the piece yeah. overall. And without it, it would literally just be Stephen King wandering around a house. Yes. <laughs> and so... He, I, you know, I, I can get people maybe not being all that into it for that reason, but I love Stephen King's performance, and I think the effects in that particular sequence are really, really cool. I mean, the effects in the film are done by Tom Savini, about, you know, um, with others, obviously. Yes. Savini didn't do it alone, but uh, Savini's, you know, the head guy who gets the, all the credit for, for it or whatever. He's the head of the team. Yeah, we'll leave it there. Jordy Verrill. It's goofy. It's fun. Still got, you know, its own kind of spookiness to it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is followed up by... Something to tide you over. I think this is maybe... I mean, this is the one that is definitely the least talked about, probably. I, mm-hmm. I But I don't it's think the, it's the it's least the of I, them. It's the one I did not remember. It's the. Uh, it's actually the only one I did not remember that I'd seen. Right. But when it started up, did you remember it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I remembered Fluffy. You've got Jordy Verrill. I want my cake. I remember yeah, those. Yeah, big set piece monstery stuff, you know. Yeah. And then uh, I just f- completely had forgot about that. But when I saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this entire thing now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It feels kind of, and I and I wonder if you agree, it feels to me... A little bit more in line with something uh, that would go in Cat's Eye or something yeah. like that, right? Like that second story in Cat's Eye where he's got to go around the outside of the building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like that to me, but uh, but with, you know, kind of a, I don't know, <laughs> supernatural twist to it. Yes. Obviously. Not that there isn't anything supernatural in Cat's Eye because you got the little troll thing. Yes. But you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah, this one stars uh, Ted Danson and Leslie Nielsen from Police Squad. Yeah, Police Squad. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he's from Police Squad, which you like. Yes. (laughs) You haven't seen the whole thing, but we need to get on it. One episode, and it was awesome. Yep, Mm. yep. You need to see more for sure. Yes. So, yeah, Police Squad. And, well, I guess, you know, then also the Naked Gun movies that spun off from that series. But this is a very different role for him. That's not yeah. comedic at all. Very, very serious. He was a serious actor, um, you know, which I, people don't forget, but definitely for a long time was a weird thing to think about because he was such a figure synonymous with the spoof movie. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that is a, it is a, like you said, it's a very uh, mean Kind of. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's, um, uh, but, uh. I mean, the basic story is that, that you could talk about. It's like, well, I, I actually do not understand his reasoning at all. Oh, okay. I can explain it to you. Yeah. So the basic idea is Leslie Nielsen's character shows up at Ted Danson's character's place. I'll just use their names as though their names are the character names. And Leslie Nielsen is like, yeah, I know that you've been having an affair with my wife, right? That you've been, like, dating my wife behind my back, mm-hmm. you know? And so then he says to him something to the effect of, like, you know, 
you're going to let me in or you may never see her again, something like that. Yeah. So the threat here is you're going to do what I say or my wife, your girlfriend slash fiance, whatever they, they think of each other as you'll never see each other again and she'll be dead. So you've got to do exactly what I say. And then he takes him out to this beach and buries him up to his neck. Yep. And what's the purpose of that? To kill him? I mean, sure, you know, that seems to be the the idea. But what's this method? To, um, it's like, the method he uses is when he buries him up to his neck, he buries him close to the water so that when the tide gets high, he will, like, drown. Right. But slowly. Yeah, sort of like one wave at a time. Yeah, and that's, like, the reason. It's, like, slow and, like, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it. That's basically it. You know, wait for the tide to come in, hold your breath as long as you can. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what the story is about. (laughs) Yeah, that's the gist of it, at least this setup. And obviously, uh, these kind of stories are never content with one evil deed. You know, no good deed goes unpunished, nor do any evil deeds go doubly unpunished, I guess. Mm, Doubly unpunished. Something. Because, uh, of course, the baddies get it way, way worse in, you know, stories like these. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's really hard to, to go into much more detail with that one because that's kind of it. Yeah. Without spoiling things. And we're trying not to spoil the ends of the stories. Yeah. So, there we go. We've got Father's Day, The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill, Something to Tide You Over, and the fourth story in the film is... The Crate. Oh, yeah. With Fluffy. Fluffy's the best thing in the movie, to my mind. Yes. (laughs) If you don't know who Fluffy is, like, it's the monster. Like, that's what they called him in the, uh, on the set, basically. Yeah, yeah. The, basically, it's, uh, like a a Yeti in a box. Yes. (laughs) Right? And that's it. That's, that's kind of the story. There's a Yeti in a box under a staircase at a university. And somebody opens it. The Yeti starts eating people and stuff, right? Yeah, because it's been there for like over 100 years. Yeah, 147 years, they say. 146. It was 148 when we crunched the numbers. I can confirm that. We crunched it as 148, and it was actually 147 uh, in the movie. There we go. Yeah, because it was 182. 1982, yes. Is the release year of the movie. So after 147 years of locked in a box, uh, Fluffy's hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Hangry, you might yeah. say. Because, I mean, he hasn't had a meal for like... I mean, we, we assume the whole 147. Yes. Right? I mean, we assume once they put those chains on the box in 1834, nobody opened it again until yes. 1981. I doubt he had many meals in the, like... Antarctica. Right. I mean, he maybe ate some of the people who were on the expedition that caught him. Yes. But otherwise, yeah, probably been pretty hungry ever since. Yep. And that one gets pretty gory. This movie is rated R. We didn't mention that, but (laughs) it is rated R and it does get fairly gory. Yes. (laughs) There's decapitations. Um, I mean, obviously drowning, you know, stuff. We talked about that. We got a monster eating people. Lots of gore business. So, parents be warned. Yes. But what else would you like to say about the crate here, Al? I mean, we love Fluffy. Obviously, Fluffy's what we obsess over. But, like, if you don't have a good story, then, you know, your monster is wasted. Yes. So... The story's, like, I mean, the beginning of the story, like, it introduces our characters, I guess. There's, like, a big party, basically. Yeah. And the story is our is the character, right? Yeah. That's, and when I say, like, you know, uh, the monster's nothing without a story, and obviously the story's about the monster, but the characters at the heart of a story are, you know, what give it its, you know, purpose. It's forward yeah. drive. And without uh, Hal Holbrook's character and adrian barbeau's character uh the married couple there yeah without them the crate doesn't work yes basically 
Yeah, and then there's... I guess he'd be our main guy? Hal Holbrook's character? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, the guy who meets Fluffy first? No. I mean, no, the guy he calls. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Yeah, Billy's husband... Henry? No, I mean, the other guy that... Well, the other guy disappears for a huge chunk of the story, yeah. so oh, yeah, I true. would yeah. I would hardly say he's the protagonist of the whole story, but, I mean, these stories function in different ways from traditional narratives in some yeah. sense. So it does, you are right, have seemingly a totally different protagonist for its first half than it does its second half. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, the second half is kind of the one we won't be talking about, though, because, I mean... Right. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, there's, like, the janitor, who's, like, he's friends with, I guess? Sure. Uh, like, this, I don't even know what it is. I mean, is. it's, like, the janitor's the janitor, and yeah. they, and, um, it's set at a university, like yeah. I said, you know, and the janitor finds the Maybe, yeti in yeah. the box. Because there's, like, a quarter or something? I don't know, getting into too many specifics I'm, I'm here like, for I'm, like, yeah, he just found that. it, like, a, he found a coin, it rolled under the stairs, and then he found the box. Right, you know, and it's a pretty simple setup. Yeah, you know, but and then you've got the uh, really cool phone call part that we talked about. Exactly. Yeah, you've got a couple people getting eaten by Fluffy, of course. Yep. And then at the heart of kind of the story proper surrounding Fluffy, or I guess that Fluffy gets wrapped up in, I suppose, is the marital strife between the characters played by Hal Holbrook and Adrian Barbeau. And that's a really interesting element of the story that I won't actually spoil at all. No. So we'll leave the crate with that. Love Fluffy. Can't get enough of Fluffy. Yep. Always excited to get to that part of the movie. And it's not the last story. No. So it's it always feels kind of weird to me. Not that the movie is over to me at that point, because I still am usually still psyched to keep going. But that is the one that I tune in for, the crate, every yes. single time. And then you've got the one that I, this is the first time I've ever seen it. And you've seen the rest of it at least once, maybe twice? Yeah, I've seen, I know I've seen everything before that at I at least once. I think it was only once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this is the first time I've ever seen the final story, They're Creeping Up on You. And why didn't you watch it before? There's a lot of bugs. A lot of bugs. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, there's a, I mean, didn't they bring in, like, thousands or something? Yeah, there's, I mean, loads and loads and loads of cockroaches, boy. Oh, holy cow. Yeah. And they brought in the, the Madagascar... Hissing cockroaches, so... Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're giant, giant, yeah. giant cockroaches. If you don't like seeing cockroaches, this is not the story for y'all. Let I, me tell you. I don't you. like bugs. I barely made it through that one. Yeah, mm -hmm. Al didn't like it all that much. It didn't seem. Did you like? Did you like it? Yes, it was okay. really good. I just the bugs were. The <laughs> yeah, give you the yes. heebie-jeebies. Yeah, yeah. But it Al was, a, was. It's a really good story. It's so good. I mean, all of it's super good. And I was freaking out the whole time, though, with a like, oh, no, ah, ah. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many cockroaches. It's so gross. But the story, awesome, amazing. It's a great story. Well, you'll also, I think, like it in this comic that we have. Probably better, since they're not real cockroaches. They're just drawings of cockroaches. Yeah. <laughs> but Al uh, did not watch the very endigory bit of that one. Decided not to. I totally understand. <laughs> so, did not push that at all, obviously. We have yeah. a an open, Al can, you know, cover the eyes policy during horror movies, you know, uh, here in the monkey farm. But basically, that one's about a mean guy who cockroaches start coming after. He sees the entire world as bugs. You know, everybody out in the world is a bug to be stepped on, and then the bugs come after him, right? Yes. Metaphorical, very EC Comics payback kind of a thing. Yeah. So, and then we, yeah, then we wrap up with our uh, outro for our wraparound. Yes. Which we also won't spoil, but does have 
an appearance by Tom Savini, our special effects and makeup artist. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to the end of Creep Show, right? And I mean, Al, is, what? I mean, what's your favorite story? Um, the crate is probably my favorite, but I'm, I mean, yes, that's that's one hundred percent my favorite. But was, Father's see, Day is my favorite to quote. <laughs> okay, fair. Because I was going to say, is the crate your favorite story? And I had to like stop myself and stumble and reword it because I didn't want to be so leading. Because I was assuming it is. Yes, it is. Because it's also mine. It always has been mine ever since I was a kid. I also loved watching that. Whenever it was on TV, I would watch Creep Show. I would stop and watch it. And even if I didn't have time to watch the whole thing, if I could just watch Fluffy or see Fluffy once, good enough for me. But yeah, it is for me all about that great yes. business. But the Father's Day is probably my most favorite to quote. Like yeah. Probably the only part I ever quote. I wish we had in that scene though the dance scene with ed harris i wish that we had a wider shot of ed harris dancing just so we could see his amazing dance because he's doing some weird thing with his hand over his head shaking like that and you can only just see his fingers at the top of the frame i want to see his whole dance darn it (laughs) um although we didn't get into every single one of the special features so maybe there is some alternate footage in some of these with that let's talk about this release here al from scream factory i mean we've got the again it's two discs we've got the 4k disc and the blu-ray and you've got a 4k scan of the film that is on both of the releases or both of the discs rather yes and i will point out that as far as i know or can tell comparing it to my earlier release of creep show from scream factory which is uh, just a blu-ray as far as i can tell from that the special features are the same i don't i can't see any uh, anything else added or removed so uh the one thing i will say in terms of this 4k release is unless you want to watch it in 4k if you have the earlier Scream Factory Blu-ray, you don't need this. But if you don't own a copy of Creep Show, this is the way to go. Right here. Get yeah. yourself this because it's so loaded with content. It's unbelievable. I mean, you've got what how many commentaries are there? There's three commentaries, you know, and again, these are archival features so some of them go way way back from you know even before the previous release from scream factory and you've got you know these commentaries with like romero and savini as well as like the dp so you've got three of those commentaries on the first disc with the movie and they're also with the movie on the second disc as well but now what are some of the like things that are found on that second disc because you know you were going through the special features just to like marvel over what's there and what did you find yeah there's um there's a lot of there is (laughs) a lot a lot of interviews right there is i'm gonna count them there is like seven or eight i don't know if the eighth one is considered an interview But at least seven. There's at least seven interviews. Yeah. And I mean, they're not minor interviews either. We do have interviews with Tom Savini on here. Well, and there's a roundtable discussion, right? I mean, with Tom Atkins and everything. Tom Atkins and Tom Savini. uh, The animator for the film has one. So you get the commentaries with some of that core crew. And then you get interviews with some of the artists who were kind of filling out the rest of the crew, you know, people who are in the sound and, you know, production design or whatever, costume design, uh, as I recall, you know. What else is in there? There is deleted scenes. There's the trailer, TV spot, radio spots, the making of, and still galleries. Yeah, the vintage making of featurette, which is cool. I always like seeing the older... The older ones make their way onto the discs. But yeah, you do have the Horrors Hollowed Grounds bit with Sean Clark going around to the shooting locations. I always like those. That's fun to see what it looks like nowadays, you know. So it's a really, really packed disc. 
But again, it is packed with the same stuff as the previous Scream Factory Blu-ray release. So unless you're looking to upgrade to 4K, which if you want to, holy cow, it is gorgeous. Because we watched the 4K disc, popped it in the PS5 and, you know, watched it on the big 4K TV. And it was a stunner. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Al, anything else to say about Creepshow? Nope, nope, I think we got it all. Yeah, check it out. Again, on 4K plus Blu-ray Collector's Edition from Scream Factory. Or just go watch the movie. I don't care if you buy it or not, just watch the movie. That's the important thing, because <laughs> yeah. we love Creep Show. Spread the love of Creep Show, you know? Yeah. Or, ah, better yet, buy somebody a copy of this as a present. Let's keep keep the, the home media alive. Uh, Alistair... You want to do some grave digging? So, um, we're just going to be doing a couple, you know, micro-reviews, like, a couple minutes, not too long. But just review some other movies we've watched that, like, let us talk about more movies, yeah? Yeah, exactly. So that's all grave digging is. So, Alistair, what was the one you were going to mention? Robot Monster from 1953. The, uh, 3D... Yeah. Version and it's um it's a uh, it's a very strange movie. Yeah, we this one is another one that we did get on Blu-ray. Uh, we backed the Kickstarter for the Blu-ray to help you know uh, fund and back the restoration of it and everything. So you know we got the Blu-ray of that in, and we have a pile of 3D glasses anyway. So we were covered, even though it only came with one pair. Keep that in mind, listeners, if you buy a copy of it and you need multiple pairs of 3D glasses, you're only going to get one in that case, as I understand it, if I recall correctly. But yeah, Robot Monster, very strange one. (laughs) It made for, like, clearly no money. Didn't they say the budget? Wasn't that a thing that was on the case? Wasn't it, like, or we read somewhere? I don't know. I don't know. It's clearly made for, like, nothing. I mean, most of the special effects are, you know, stock footage of lizards and bubbles. (sighs) <sighs> yeah what do you gotta say about uh, it you can see that's not made for much but i mean they definitely tried i mean they tried <laughs> stretch the the buck as far as it'll go yep yeah and um i we had a we had a time we laughed <laughs> we had a time yeah that's that's about it we, it's... <laughs> we did have a couple laughs <laughs> i've seen it a few times and it is one that i always laugh at it is a cheap movie, boy. Oh, you look at it, and it's so cheap. It's actually one that was shown in a B-movie class I took in college when I was working on my master's, and it was one that everybody hated. I was the only person who had anything kind of positive to say about it. I thought some stylistic choices were interesting. Stylistic in so far as... They did something really, really cheap, and in order to do it cheap, they were forced to do it a certain way that you could call style if you really wanted, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, like, yeah, they're, like the whole thing with the end of the world taking place off screen. Yeah. Weird. Like, uh-huh. society falls apart and is defeated by one single alien. With, like, a super laser? Yeah, off screen. Yeah. Between scenes, there's just like a flash and some smoke, then lizards fighting, or like a lizard and a and a crocodile or an alligator or and something. There's like two alligators and then there's a couple lizards. Yeah. Alligators doing multiple barrel rolls off a cliff. Yeah, the barrel rolls. Boy, it's a it's a cheapy, but it is a hoot in 3D. We had a really good time watching it in 3D. All the bubbles floating around yeah. and the Roman. That's the thing. The Roman, the robot monster, the alien robot monster is one of the cheapest looking monsters ever. It's basically a gorilla suit body with a scuba suit helmet and TV antenna coming off the top or something like that. It's yeah. so cheap looking. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, robot monster. Check it out or don't. <laughs> but it is weird. And if you're going to watch it in 3D, you definitely want to track down the Blu-ray. And I'm not saying that it's like a, I don't know, 
they're paying me to say it. Nothing like that. But like for real, I actually have the movie on VHS in 3D. I've had a few copies in 3D and they've never worked. They've never been any good to watch until this Blu-ray. Watching them was horrible. The 3D barely worked because the versions were really blurry, you know. So if there's blurriness, then it doesn't quite work the 3d you know yeah um so yeah the blu-ray is the way to go otherwise watch it in 2d if you track it down to watch without uh or if you track it down to watch on like youtube or something watch it in 2d but otherwise watch it in 3d on the blu-ray only i would suggest but that's kind of it for grave digging we haven't watched a lot of horror movies otherwise or at least ones that are worth kind of mentioning here i've been watching a lot of kung fu movies <laughs> mostly yeah. but that's it as far as i can see for grave digging from my letterboxd but there we go al creep show yeah awesome and you've watched the whole thing finally so even though we've talked about it on the show previously we've never talked about the movie in its entirety feels pretty good that's yeah. another big one right out of the way you know mm-hmm. well al do you want to tell our listeners where they can find us online you can find us on twitter at cadaver underscore cast you can find us on instagram at cadavercast. you can find us on facebook at the Cadavercast critters and creeps club join the club you can email us at cadavercast at gmail.com and you can find our merch at teespring.com slash cadavercast. Nailed it. All right, kiddo. Why don't you go ahead and get us signed out? We will talk to you all soon or see you all soon or show you paintings or videos soon. So maybe you'll be seeing us before we'll yeah. see you, I guess, you know. Mm. But uh, stay tuned in to all of those places for whatever shenanigans we get up to creatively. Yep. And Al, you gotta post more pictures and stuff. I know our listeners love to see your drawings and you're working on a whole bunch today that you could take pictures of. Yeah. Now that I put you on the spot, why don't you sign us out? Yes, I was gonna do that. (laughs) I was gonna do that. You've been listening to the second episode of the new Cadaver Cast. I'm Al Burnham. And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. We love ya. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.